quick content warning. In this episode, we discuss relics, specifically what happens to a couple of heads. Also, some people are executed, and a number of people are disappeared. So yeah, you could say it's a fun one. Are you ready? Let's go! This is a popular popular podcast. Do not be afraid. Welcome to Popular History, a library of Catholic knowledge and insights brought to you daily. My name is Greg, and this one's a bit of a doubleheader, so enjoy that. On May 21st, 1535, Pope Paul III made John Fisher, the Bishop of Rochester, England, a cardinal. By that point, Bishop Fisher had been imprisoned by his monarch, the infamous Henry VIII, for over a year because of his refusal to side with the Tudor tyrant in what was known as the King's Great Matter, his marriage to Anne Boleyn, and, more specifically, Henry's claim of supreme headship of the Church of England, by which, he reasoned, he could divorce his first wife to marry Anne, regardless of what any pope said. The move was apparently calculated to get Henry to ease up on Bishop Fisher, but as one of my favorite memes says, the risk I took was calculated, but boy... I am bad at math. Henry famously quipped that there was no need to send Fisher's new red hat to England. He would send the head to Rome instead. John Fisher's execution was expedited to make sure he wasn't around as a rallying point on the June 24th Feast of St. John the Baptist. The imagery of a holy man named John being beheaded by King H for observing that the king's marriage was unlawful in the eyes of God was too close for comfort. Fisher's head, for you relic hunters, was not delivered to Pope Paul on a silver platter. Instead, it was mounted on a pole on London Bridge, where it stayed for two weeks until it was thrown into the Thames to make room for the head of another martyr, Thomas More. But that's a story for another day. Both Fisher and More, by the way, are venerated in the Church of England today, which, given the history of it, is a level of boldness I can only respect. Fisher's story in particular was a lively topic in the world of Catholic commentary earlier this year, when Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Nicaragua was arrested the day after refusing to board a plane full of political dissidents destined for exile to the United States. Why not, many commentators reasoned, make the politically persecuted bishop a cardinal in a show of solidarity? As we saw with Cardinal Okpaliki at the end of last month, Pope Francis isn't above creating spite cardinals. And, as a reminder, Okpaliki was the one who had a group of priests reject him on ethnic grounds, who has since had a different diocese literally created for him, and been given a red hat to boot. But of course, Bishop John Fisher's red hat did him no good. And it's not clear what beneficial impact one would have for Bishop Alvarez. Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega isn't likely to yield to the church, though in this second time around, his government has taken some steps that have overall warmed relations between the administration and the church, including coming out in strong opposition to abortion. But the background of the ruling Sandinistas is historically Marxist-Leninist communism, and it seems to be more of an alliance of convenience than anything. They would not have to change gears to shift from pressuring a bishop to pressuring a cardinal, and, at the end of the day, 
the underlying issues seem more political instead of the theological issues that underpinned Fisher's case. In any event, any martyrdom more literal than a sort of political martyrdom is not likely here. I'm sure Bishop Alvarez would be willing to face a classic martyrdom, but modern politicians, this side of ISIS, have generally come to respect the propaganda power of martyrs, and so tend to avoid public executions. Then again, a great many murders and disappearances and the like are among the allegations against the Sandinistas in general, and Ortega in particular. Bishop Alvarez's arrest didn't come out of the blue. Obviously, the offer of a flight into political exile was arranged in advance. Last May, he said the following, quote, I asked the police why they were there, and they told me it was for my own safety. But we know that in this country, insecurity comes precisely from the police. They were the ones making me feel unsafe. End quote. Last August, a period of house arrest began, which transitioned into formal arrest this February, like I mentioned. When he refused to board the plane, Bishop Alvarez is reported to have said, quote, Let others be free. I will endure their punishment. End quote. Since then, Bishop Rolando Alvarez has been stripped of his citizenship, declared a traitor, and sentenced to 26 years in prison. When it comes to these cardinal appointments, we can speculate endlessly about the why or the why not. In the end, Bishop Alvarez was not on the list this year. It's always possible he'll be made a cardinal at some point in the future, but I honestly don't think it'll happen under Pope Francis, or his name would have been on the list this round, or even the last group, last summer. But I've been wrong before. In fairness, Pope Francis has indeed expressed concerns about the situation in Nicaragua, calling Ortega's government a gross dictatorship this past March. Tomorrow we'll take a look at another name that popped up in discussions of possible cardinals for this consistory that also didn't pan out. And this is one that's come up a lot, with renewed intensity since the invasion of Ukraine. I'll leave you guessing at the name this time, though if you've got a name in mind, you're probably correct. Hey, it's your buddy, last minute, bad mic, Greg Note. Uh, sorry this episode came out late. Yeah, I got to drive out of state to uh, basically get my car worked on. Um, it was fun times, interesting times. Um, but yeah, next episode will be up here probably within an hour, just as soon as I finish editing it. We'll basically do two back-to-back. Sorry about the delay. How do I finish this again? Thank you for listening. God bless you all.